Today on Training Group Live, we saw a lot of breakthroughs on vision and movement with our second drill of the month, bar hop. Ben Steger, Juanchit Kim, and I discussed the most common corrections and some noticeable content we saw in the thread. After the paywall, Juanchik, Ben, and I introduce this month's drill of the month and discuss things that are likely to go wrong and how to work through them. Welcome to Training Group Live, your home for all things practical shooting. So make ready, it's time to train. Welcome to Training Group Live. Today I am sitting down with, well, virtually sitting down with Mr. Quanchit Kim. Hello. And Ben Steiger. Hello. Guys, uh, well, I want to take up your time to talk about the drill of the month. Uh, I want to recap what our drill of the month was last month, which would be our second drill of the month so far, and kind of the takeaways. Um, you know, we uh, there was a lot of engagement in that thread. I think it's it's well over 2,000 views as of right now when we're, like, recording this. So a lot of guys are checking back in. They're submitting videos. They're getting help from their peers. They're sharing what they're learning. So anyway, I think there's a lot going on there and a lot to talk about. So pretty exciting. Um, what would you guys say are the biggest corrections we saw? Because it seems like there was kind of some big ticket items that kind of everyone struggled with, I think it's fair to say. Mr. Kim, uh, what do you say? Definitely vision. <laughs> How so? Tell me uh, more. So big big part of it is uh, hand-eye coordination, right? So in bar hop, there's definitely movement part and the transition part. Uh, so hand-eye coordination, the eye, there's a big emphasis. So it depends on how you're looking at the spot or the target. Uh, the body will, will be in 100% control or it may not. So that depends on the vision focus, the ability to have your body follow your vision uh, really changes. And definitely, I think that was one thing uh, mentioned in Ben's uh, Baja um, tip videos. Uh, I think that was the biggest gain for most of the people. Uh, and one thing I was really glad to see is uh, some people did more than the basic setup of bar hop. So meaning some people did uh, more difficult distance and shooting more pop, 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 move, pop, 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 rather than yes. while moving. Uh, in that manner, I saw people having some improvement in terms of moving more cleanly. So by the time you're settling into next position, the guns uh, being more stable. Uh, that's definitely one thing I saw. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I think stance stance was a common correction. Yeah. How so? I should. And Kim, you brought up a good point. Uh, ben made a a video which I'll link below, uh, which most most of the training group members would have seen, but kind of common corrections and things to think about that are common kind of overlooked but ben what were you saying about stance i'm sorry go ahead uh making sure that you finish in a uh in an acceptable stance mean your feet spread apart wide you know sort of ready to move that that's a very common correction mm -hmm. yeah no for sure is it fair to say so the drill you shoot on one side of the stick you step on the other side of the stick and you shoot targets but the goal isn't really having a good hit factor or a good time necessarily as much as I mean, those are important, but if you kind of look down at your feet, some people kind of end off balance, not quite standing on one leg, but something like that, where the targets might look really good. But if there was a third position, they wouldn't be in a shape to, they wouldn't be in a good a good place to be trying to lead from that to go to a third position. Right. So it's more about 
Yeah, it's not something you measure with your your points or time, but building a good habit of getting used to setting up wide and ready to move uh, if, if you have the opportunity, that's what we're looking for. For sure. Uh, and Ben, what would you say about, like some people like to kind of step wide, like make step with their, uh, I guess I don't know a good way to describe it, step with the, the foot, the direction they're going, step really wide, and then bring the trailing foot kind of over across the bar or kind of cross step and shooting while they're doing that. Any thoughts I, on those two? I think you have to learn to do both because uh, uh, it'll kind of be mimicking some things that'll happen naturally, uh, like if you're getting positioned. So if you're running into a position and the targets are really far away or if you're running in at a certain angle or whatever, you might end up cross stepping or you might end up long stepping. I, I think you want to train both ways. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, also, I think even something I struggled with when I originally did this drill was weight bias, kind of when you stop having more of your weight kind of favoring one side or the other, as opposed to stopping with kind of what I guess a neutral weight bias, where you're standing perfectly straight up and down as far as your the way your weight is, as opposed to leaning one way or the other, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. That gives us good preparation for sure. Yes. Because, and... go oh, sorry. Uh, I, I see a lot of value in training both the crossing over style or stop move stop move style, mm -hmm. because crossing over style that uh, I, I worked on bar hop a lot, especially uh, about two three years ago when I was really focusing on shooting on the move, and oftentimes there are times where in a one single array, let's say there's four targets and you might want to shoot two targets and start moving around, uh, or start shooting on the move on the rest two targets. In those kind of case, the initial step can be very important to have, of course, the vision correctly on the next target, but also start your initial movement uh, stable and pretty smooth. So you're shooting on the move, uh, gun stays on the target pretty bad with a good balance. Yeah. Um, Kim, what would you say about when people are leaving a position kind of, uh, maybe not throwing their whole body, but just kind of leaning to get their body going as opposed to kind of throwing themselves across the bar, if that makes sense. Thoughts on yes. that? Uh, I do think both are also important. Uh, depends on your target engagement. Uh, if you are actually exiting to the next direction or if you are planning on uh, shooting after stop, so for example, very difficult target entry, then in this kind of case, you want to focus on aggressive moving out and aggressive stabilization deceleration uh, however if you are like a like i have an example before if you're shooting in between the targets while moving then you want to stay more uh, leaning out sort of say uh, smooth foot foot landing those kind of things so it detect it's dictated by the difficulty of the target or whether you're shooting on the move or not yeah uh, I, I agree completely uh Mr. Ben, I know we've seen quite a few videos. Uh, Kim talked about kind of hand-eye coordination, but what about people like following the sights, not looking at the spot? I think we kind of saw a mix of all that stuff kind of. Yeah, that definitely videos. happens. Ahead, uh, so the natural thing to do is when you feel threatened by the shots, uh, naturally people kind of tunnel in on the site. It doesn't matter whether it's uh, iron sights or red dots. The, the tendency is the same. And it's natural, of course, if you're moving around to be threatened by, you know, being able to make the hits 
and then of course to tunnel in on your site. So yeah, that's that's why we see a lot of that. It's people sta- people staring at their their front sites or their their optics. I agree. Um, and then I, I guess kind of circle back. I talked about well, I want to talk about some of the breakthroughs and some of the really good things we saw. Um, and one of them, I guess, that really it seemed like it sparked a lot of conversation was our friend Andreas posted a video of not so much as like like what I was talking about, just kind of leaning your shoulders, not where he's shooting one position. He shoots a couple targets and moves where he's blending, where he's like what we were talking about. He kind of moves his shoulders and you see him, you know, the shooting almost doesn't stop where it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, kind of where Mm -hmm. he's blending the positions together. And that seemed like that sparked a lot of conversation. And, you know, that it's like once you're, I think once you're comfortable making the shots from each position, the time is, you know, you're going to start blending them together and making it look more fluid like what you would do in a stage. Yes. That is very, that was very good video. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what I tried long time ago was actually shooting uh, basically bar hop without a step. So I would shoot uh, two, 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 two without movement at all. And mm-hmm. then I would try to match the time while moving around. And I think that was, that video was a very good example video of actually keeping the shooting speed the same while adding the movement here and there. And there's a lot of cases where I'm seeing this shooter thinking, oh, I shooting on the move is good. So I'm mm-hmm. going to shoot everything on the move and then end up slowing down on the shooting a lot. And there was no benefit, but you're just simply risking more without benefit. But uh, Andreas's video was right on point on actually keeping the shooting speed the same, vision everything the same, but adding the movement into that shooting speed. Uh, I thought that was a great video. Yeah, I loved it. Um, when, Ben, I'll kick it back to you. When's the time to start like throwing your shoulders and blending the positions as opposed to maybe thinking of it as two positions, I suppose? Like, is it just a comfort level, or would you force uh, yourself? Yeah, that, that's a, that is a pretty good question. So if you are looking to get out of B class, like, that's where it's time to start blending positions and getting comfortable doing that sort of thing. Uh, you don't really have to do that stuff to get into B class, but it is helpful uh, to be competitive, you know, at the higher at the higher levels if you're capable of blending positions together and shooting your way in and out of position. Yeah, um, I, I think one example or one way I used to explain, it, I think we were in Talladega was it's like the pat your head and rub your stomach kind of for some people where you're trying to do two different things and the shooting's one thing and the moving is another thing. And then you're trying to blend it together. You don't want to mess it up. There's a lot of things going on. So it seems I don't know, I guess maybe you guys would agree. It seems like if you're going to wait until you think you're ready to do that, you're never going to be ready. So you're going to have <laughs> to start forcing yourself to you know move your shoulders a little bit and try to blend them. Because you're never going to really think like, man, I'm ready to do this. If you guys yeah. think that's fair. No, that's fair. Um, the other thing I really liked, uh, Cody Axon posted a video of just, it was just kind of like what Ben used to do. Some of his like live training sessions where he was just shooting and talking through it. And Cody's a really strong, like a top 16 guy. And uh, you see like, hey man, he's he's pushing himself. He's still having misses. He's still, you know, it's, it's not like it's just magic for anyone. So I, I like watching stuff like that, where you watch strong guys. It's like, hey, it doesn't have to be perfect every time, um, regardless of the level. I mean, pushing yourself, I suppose, until you, you know, you have a failure point, find out what the failure point is, and then work on that. But 
Yes. And um, just by watching Cody doing first, uh, mm -hmm. Cody is top shooter in limited, uh, scoring major power factor. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't shot major power factor a whole lot, and it was it was very good inspiration for me to watch, uh, especially shooting major. Uh, his aggression. Uh, that was something eye-opening because shooting a minor, uh, oftentimes I am a little bit uh, dialed down, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to be running out of 9 millimeter, <laughs> and I'm going to be shooting some 40 uh, uh -huh. sometime this year. And that was actually a great example of if you're shooting minor and you're moving into major power factor, I think that was a very good example video of how you should be aggressive uh, blending position, stuff like that, and the while maintaining the shooting speed. That was really uh, educational for me. Yeah, I liked it also. Uh, another video that came to mind, Chris, one of the guys in training group, posted a just a video of a stage that he was shooting, but it was like, if you look, I mean, it wasn't intentional, but he's like using all the same movements from bar hop actually in the context of a stage. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, sometimes I think people are... You work on a drill and it's like, hey, I got pretty good at this drill, but it's like, now what do I do with it in real life, so to speak? You know what I mean? And so I think that's mm -hmm. really good at kind of connecting the dots where, you know, hey, this is a drill. Yeah, whatever. But look how you're actually using this in a yes. stage. And it's maybe more than you realize, I think it's fair to say. Mm -hmm. Yes. Cool. I love it. Um, anything else I missed to talk about, guys? I don't think so. Good. All right. Well, uh, I guess it's my corporate duty to do the paywall thing. But uh, guys, <laughs> it's time for another drill of the month. Yes, I'm, I'm yes. excited. Well, it's fun. I like seeing like, like I said, there's I don't know what the exact number, but it's over 2000 views in there and just loads of comments for all the guys that are like they they do the drill. They they, they post a video, whether it's live or dry fire. Other people look at it, they critique it. Hey, I saw this. Think about doing this. Why don't you try this? Or they're sharing these breakthrough moments, these epiphanies. Hey, I realized if I only did this, I got a better output. Like, I mean, I like that. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, paywall time. Uh, time for a new drill of the month, and I will introduce that shortly. Welcome back to Training Group Live. I'm still sitting down with Ben and Juanchik. And guys, it's time for a new drill of the month. This will be our third drill of the month. I'm super excited. Uh, this month, uh, we picked Accelerator, which I think we, is a really we good drill. Well, we, the royal we. <laughs> um, yes. It's a good drill because it's, you know, like this time of year, people are probably still kind of getting, you know, knocking the rust off a bit, so to speak, from the off season. They're training up, and this is just a good drill because there's a lot that goes into it. And, uh, you know, it's it, there's a we have a lot, as we'll get to, there's a lot of things to talk about with it. Uh, ben, can I put you on the spot for where Accelerator came from? Yeah, so uh, we were shooting a training DVD, like, in 2013, and uh, I needed a drill that uh, gave us some, some uh, distance change-up sort of action going on mm -hmm. and i came up with the accelerator on the spot and it was part of it became part of that dvd and then like a like a standard drill after and it just kind of it just kind of hasn't gone away it's been around for a while 
Uh, I would say there, I think it's probably fair to say there are people that know the drill accelerator that have no idea who either of you guys are. It's kind of like, it's kind of like four aces. Like it's just out there in the wild. And there are a lot of people shooting that drill. Um, yeah. Okay. Ben, since you designed it, would you please explain the drill? What is it? Okay. So you got three targets. You have a close target, a mid range target and a long range target. So it's seven, 15 and 25 are the, the yardages of the targets. Uh, you engage each target, reload, and re-engage each target uh, using a total of 12 rounds. And the targets are spread um, apart only so that you don't really have shoot-throughs. There's there isn't really a meant to be a target transition other than just in depth. Does that make sense? To, yeah, I think. Uh -huh. yeah. Yep. Um. Okay. So yeah, shoot them each twice, load, and shoot them each twice again. Yeah, and kind of the the idea is applying different processes to the targets at different uh, yardages. So maybe at the distant target, you, you switch your focus onto trigger control. At the close target, you're shooting like that confirmation two, like Mr. Kim would talk about, you know, hit that confirmation two and shoot as soon as you see the color of your sight, uh, that sort of thing, and working to apply those different processes. I like that. that. That's the point of the drill. Um, okay, so now we know what the drill is. Mr. Kim, what does yes. the drill teach you? Because there's a lot of things. Yes, uh, I definitely love this drill a lot and personally shot a lot of rounds through it. Uh, so this is one of my favorite medium complexity drill, meaning uh, simple complexity drill will be more like a doubles drill where you're just working on recoil management or confirmation drill working on confirmation. Those are the simplest complexity. A medium complexity will be a couple components added to it. And high complexity ones are like, you know, uh, track the uh, A zone or designated target or uh, any position entry exit, those kind of a complex stage-like styles. So this accelerator drill, uh, if you watched the study session number three, I talk about inductive and deductive method of training. An accelerator drill is a perfect one to do that. Uh, it's not too complicated, but there's multiple components. So we can talk about, yes, Ben already mentioned about the trigger control and also confirmation and also the recoil management. So there's three different difficulty of targets. And if you want to add gun handling, so uh, draw reload, that's also a part of it. So as you, you, if you are training in terms of deductive method, you can just shoot the whole accelerator drill and then identify what's the weakest point and or perhaps what you can have the most reward out of it. So if your transition is drifting away, then you can separate the transition part. So maybe even trying doing one shot drill or maybe even break it down to confirmation drill actually, and then work on, hey, this seven yard target, I have to shoot confirmation two. However, 25 yard target, I have to shoot confirmation three those kind of confirmation uh, back down to confirmation drill and come back to a full drill and then try to apply it. So accelerator drill is a very good drill to apply a couple things. Uh, so there's two things I did a lot when I did accelerator drill. One of them is actually I would set up accelerator drill and shoot doubles on each different, different targets. Mm -hmm. uh, so for example, seven yard, I'm working on 0.2 splits, 100% uh, alpha. Uh, 15 yards, maybe something like 30 yards, uh, 30 splits, and 25 yards, 40 splits, something like that number, and then combine 
with the transition. Now you're focusing on that good recoil management, simply adding some uh, target transition area in there. So this drill mainly taught me for applying that recoil management during target transition because I had a difficulty shooting one target doubles fine. However, when I add transition, I was having some issues like the sights not aligned properly, so grip was breaking in between transition kind of thing. So I can focus on applying the recoil management as I am adding one more component to it. So it could be, and another one I did a lot is actually mixing with the confirmation drill. So again, same setup. I would shoot, uh, I actually change the distance sometimes. So if I want to work on confirmation one, I would place the first target, maybe three to five yards, just for the sake of practicing confirmation one. And then second target, maybe 12 yards, just the sake of confirmation two. And then the third yard, 25. So I am practicing going from confirmation one, two, three by changing the distance a little bit. But when I actually shoot uh, the regular setup, so 7, 15, and 25, uh, I end up shooting either confirmation two, two, three, or two, three, three, something like that. So depends on the confirmation. Uh, you can use this drill to ingrain that confirmation change, meaning the speed change. Definitely, this is not the same. If you have a same cadence, the whole three targets, there's something wrong. So it's it, it can teach you cadence change or the speed confirmation change, all that stuff. Yeah, I like that. Um, or I've tried, I'll be straight with you, I've tried shooting, I like shooting the back target even predictively, where I'm shooting mm -hmm. all three targets, maybe not as fast as I can split them, but really like in training, hammering down on them really hard just to see what works, like what you're saying, what doesn't work, what I can get away with. We're maybe early in shooting the drill. I remember very carefully thinking, man, I got to slow down for the middle target. It's farther away. I can't shoot it fast. And now, I mean, it, when I'm shooting, it's probably the first, you know, the seven and the 15 yard target basically gets shot at the same speed. And that just came through kind of, I suppose, breaking the rules or trying to push myself beyond what I thought I should be doing, but continuing to keep working at it. And then I realized I could do a lot better than I thought I could. So mm -hmm. that was very exciting. Um, one of you guys were Ben, you want to talk about scoring an aggregate? Cause I think some people maybe don't get as much from that as they could. Well, yeah. Uh, so let's say, um, you're shooting accelerator. If you're scoring an aggregate, so this would be the way that I would do it. I'm going to do three runs on the drill, but I'm going to shoot, make sure I shoot the same target order. So if I go near to far, it's going to be near to far every pass that I shoot the, the array of targets. And that's important because that helps kind of diagnose what's going on. Even if the order is something goofy like center target, close target, far target, um, I just keep the same order for for the you know the whole time that I'm shooting the exercise until I paste it. So anyway, I shoot the same order, and then as you go down, uh, you score, you take the average uh, that, you know, scoring in aggregate. That's what it means. You kind of, you, you're, you're not looking at what happened on one individual run. You're looking at for patterns that emerge over the course of multiple runs, and you may not see it if you just score every single, every single run and don't note also the position of the the bullet holes. So when you're scoring an aggregate, you don't also you don't just pay attention to the score. You also notice 
like where are the Charlies? Where are the Deltas? You know, uh, you pay attention to that stuff. And, and, and again, you start looking for patterns. So, for example, you might note the middle target has widely scattered hits or that you consistently hit low on the back target or something. Um, noting those things gets, gives you clues for some problems that you might be having. So that's that's really what we mean when we say scoring in aggregate. Yeah. And is it also fair to say, uh, like, you don't hang your hat on the best run or the worst run. You're just kind of observing what happens in a general sense, looking like what you said in aggregate. But I think sometimes people are like, oh, man, I did this in low fives or high fours or whatever. And they kind of just ignore yeah, everything else that happens. It's not it's not very productive to focus on the one really good run you had. It's not very productive to get hung up on a couple big mistakes you made. You kind of want to have a very realistic sense for what your expectations should be. That's all. I like it. Uh, Mr. Kim, did you have something to say about aggregate scoring? You look like you had something to say. Oh, I, I, I really like how Ben's method is. That's why the most of the accelerator drill I shot was scored. Hmm? Uh, there were at times where I wasn't really paying attention to time at all, but just looking at the group. Uh, especially separating where the first shots are grouping and the second shots are grouping. And that can teach you whether if it's actual target transition issue related to vision or it could be the second shot issue, uh, it could be bad recoil management or sweeping through the target can be a very issue too. Mm -hmm. uh, in that sense, uh, this drill was very helpful for me to uh, work on that target transition exiting cue, meaning Am I, am I going to move the gun to the next target at the trigger break, or am I going to confirm the recoil flip and then move to the next target? Uh, oftentimes, uh, the closer one, so 5 and 15, is I want to time trigger break and then move the gun to the next target at the same time as a break. Uh, but 25 yard to a 15, so far to near, oftentimes I would let the flip happen, and as soon as I see the flip, I'm moving to the next target. Um, some people might have questions about that. When you say mm -hmm. trigger break, is it would it be like a bump transition, what some people call it, where yes. the front sight's on the target and it lifts after, because you broke the shot and the sight's lifting, and while it's still lifting, you move it to the next target? Is that a fair way to describe what you're talking about? Yes. As the recoil lifts up your muzzle, that's when the lateral movement to the next target is happening. Uh, for doing that, um, I don't do it anymore, but to develop that bump transition you're talking about, uh, I actually did walk through before accelerator drill um, to actually move my trigger finger. And when my trigger finger moves all the way, that's basically simulating the trigger pull. And the arms are moving to the next target at that straight pull of my finger. And I'm timing the arm movement with the trigger straight pull. And when I actually have a gun, actually shoot it, that's what's going to happen. Bump transition over there. And okay. I do that at matches as well. And then the second, I don't remember the exact verbiage you talked about, was like confirming where you're talking about. Like on the 25, you see your sight come back down in like so that the sight's settled again kind of before you move off it. Would that be a fair way to describe it? Or No, that's commonly called follow-through, basically mm -hmm. having the sight back down. Uh, if that's the last target, that's okay. Because mm -hmm. there's no other target to go. But if you have a target to go, so far to near, mm -hmm. then I am moving as soon as I saw the dot or the front sight lift up in recoil. 
okay? Rather than waiting until it comes back down. There's a big difference. So if I introduce a little bit of the delay time or reaction time, if you are truly transitioning at the trigger break, there's no reaction time because basically you're timing the trigger break and the transition exit. Mm -hmm. However, if you are seeing the dot lift off and then you decide to go transition immediately after that, there's automatically 15th of a uh, second added to your transition time because you're now reacting to what you see. Uh, so base, so like you would shoot at 20, whatever distance, you see the dot come back down and then you've already shot the target. So you'd be staring at it when you should be doing something else. Exactly. You weren't responding as fast as possible on that lift in that mm -hmm. case. Yes. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, another thing kind of going back to aggregate scoring, I can, I shot this drill. It was almost every practice session, probably maybe three years ago. So like every time I went to the range, I was shooting it. And then towards the end, I got, I just want to do this drill four times in a row, fairly aggressively, you know, kind of a match pace, but not have a single miss and no deltas. Like just A's and C's. I do it four times or three times, whatever it is, go patch the targets and just don't mess up once. And for a while, that was, I thought it was a really tough goal for a while for me to do, not to have any deltas, not to, you know, bottle the reload. So just do it three times back to back to back. Don't mess it up. Yes. I put a lot of I put a lot of pressure on Very you too. Difficult. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it sounds easy, but it was not at the time. It was not easy. Um, ben, what would you say about like some people really develop a preference? I really like to always shoot near to far. I like to shoot far to near. Would you say they should go like start the opposite way of their preference? They should shoot both ways regardless. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, I, I even like orders like. Uh, center target last or center target first, something like that, where the order's goofy. Um, mm -hmm. I, I like shooting all sorts of orders on the drill, and I, I would recommend that people do that, where you, you just get comfortable with everything. I like that. Um, guys, let's talk about what's likely to go wrong, because yes. there, there's, a bit that's, <laughs> there's a bit that could go wrong, well, a lot. Um, whichever one you guys want to go first. That's I actually have, uh, like Ben just talked about, you should be feeling comfortable uh, no matter the direction, mm -hmm. near to far, far in the middle, middle or, or anything like that. Uh, I really think usually everybody has, uh, if you haven't really worked on this drill, uh, you will see this common pattern. Uh, you may be a turtle or you may be a hoser. So mm -hmm. it depends on how your style is. You may see faster time going near to far versus far to near. And that should teach you, especially if you are, um, when you go far to near, if you're slow compared to near to far, uh, most likely what's happening is your vision is not on par compared to near to far, far to near. When you go far to near, common case is you're soaked up to the site, uh, you're visually not focusing on the spot on the target, and also perhaps you may be tensing up a little bit because it's a far shot, um, it may be grip tension changing, uh, it may be just visual focus changing. So it depends on the pattern. If you have an issue going far to near and slower time, you should assess your vision, especially the first. Uh, two things. Vision always has to look at the specific spot on the target, basically meaning you should be able to shoot all target focus, even at 25 yards. Um, definitely you can use the blurry sights and you can still check the alignment with the blurry sights. 
So maintain the vision on the specific spot each time and also uh, assess if your shoulders and the traps are tensed up. A lot of the times when the traps are tensed up and all that, usually the body starts to move as one turret, one unit. Vision and the gun, basically vision and the gun moving at the same speed rather than vision snapping to the next target, spot the specific spot and then guiding the gun into the target. That is usually not happening. A lot of the times people who are having slower time going farther near. So in that kind of case, um, sometimes I would recommend using like a paster and stare at them. That could be a one good mark. Uh, however, the concept is you zoom in to that specific spot 100% regardless of the target distance. And another thing is the shots drifting by over transition can be definitely common. Again, if you're going near to far, you may end up tensing things up so they can actually lock things up. But other than that, I sometimes see people in order to have a better time in any drill, they start to move the gun faster than they can control. They're pushing the gun around. And again, accelerator drill, the transition is very minimal distance. So if you are thinking it like a 90 degree or 180 degrees transition where you, you have room to push things around, accelerate, decelerate, but this transition, there's no, no room to do that. So just simply look to a spot and have the body or have the gun just come into the spot in a more neutral manner, a more relaxed manner without pushing things around. I like it. Um, ben, I use this quite often. I plagiarize you quite often, sir. But I like what you say, we, uh, one of your sayings is you hit where you look for better or worse. Yes, uh, that is true. Would you, would you talk about that a bit, please? And well, the, uh, issues we're likely to see with this drill. Well, uh, like, like Mr. Kim's saying, you gotta, you gotta make sure you're looking, you laser in on a spot where you wanna hit. Uh, even if the target's far away, because, well, like I say, you hit where you look. So um, what that means is if you look at a spot, your gun tends to steer into that spot. So I'm always uh, telling people to make sure they're looking exactly at where they want to hit and not not looking at the, or, you know, not staring at the, the their sights on their gun. Or uh, another common issue will be not picking out spots on the targets where you look at the color of the target or look at the shape of it as opposed to picking out a particular spot on the target. So what we see on this drill, I think I mentioned it before, is like very commonly the target in the middle, it looks like they're, the, the people will not stop their gun consistently in a spot on that target. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll just kind of run the gun through the target and, and their bullets hit brown, sure, but uh, not consistently in the center. That's very common, and that's because they're not picking a spot to look at uh, to stop the gun on. Yeah, uh, kind of like they're dragging the gun through the target. So it's like Charlie Charlie or Alpha Charlie, but it's all kind of uh, what it'd be horizontal, I suppose, stringing, if that's a fair yes. way to summarize it. Um, yes, indeed. What about you talked about looking at just reacting the color brown? What would that likely look like on like the back target? On the back target, it would just look like a shotgun pattern. It just hits everywhere. If you're just shooting for the target, you'll tend to hit, you know, the target as opposed to hitting it in the center. Yep. Um, and then maybe this is a good time to talk about drag on, drag off, because <laughs> that is definitely something well, yeah, that can and, happen. And you'll you'll see that especially when people are shooting far to near. 
Uh, well, they start to drag hits onto the close one. Just they're in a hurry to stop the clock or whatever. And they tend to just be, be slamming hits anywhere on the close target. Yeah, you want to be very, very careful that you look exactly where you want those bullets to go, which means find the center of that target, you know? Yeah. And even, I guess, in my own shooting, I learned, like, to take that a step further, to be looking at what I'm doing, which means I look at the target until two shots are on it. Then my eyes go to the next target. I look at that target until I've shot it twice. But it seems like it's easy to start to, like, I shot it once. It's a close target. I got to hurry up and find this next target. And that's where you start to have problems if you're not staring at exactly what you're doing. And uh, I, the good fix to that issue, if anybody has that issue, uh, I'm sure somebody has that issue. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is actually dry fire. Dry fire, and uh, instead of going like full mode where you're not able to spot if the gun actually stopped on the spot you were looking at, so take your time. This is something I did a lot. So, doing more like a slower pace and actually guaranteeing the stop on the spot where I was looking at for two trigger pulls rather than uh, th in this case, actually programming the trigger pull is beneficial. Oftentimes, I would not recommend having a trigger pull when you're working on just stopping it precisely, but making sure that the gun stays for the first and the second shot, in this case, actually adding the trigger pull, it can be beneficial. And then you are programming that in dry fire and then immediately do the live fire. And then uh, in order to cut the time in this kind of case, rather than trying to you know push the gun around or speeding the transition, uh, your time gain should be coming from that proper transition exiting cue, the bump drill we kind of talked about. So in dry fire run or walkthrough run where there's no gun, uh, you can definitely program those things. That discrete stop for two poles, two trigger poles, and also immediate exit at that second trigger pole all the way. So those efficiency is going to what make you have better accuracy and better time not in terms of you know moving things faster. Yeah, I love that you said dry fire because uh, so if I'm doing it a few times, I don't know, maybe sporty for me is low fives, something like that, high fours, whatever. Probably more like low fives. Uh, I do it a couple of times and I'm really I'm going hard, I'm going fast, it's looking good. And then I kind of get like, if I just unload my gun then and try it and I'm still really juiced up, mm -hmm. I'll be likely to throw my gun a little bit harder than I need to or you can feel myself tense up. Or maybe my eyes are just kind of like snapping like at the brown targets. I want to go fast and I want to keep trying to pick up speed. So just stopping to do dry fire in the middle is kind of really good to give me a good clue on what's going on. Yes. And pick out if I'm really getting amped up because I've really been going hard at the drill or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the hand tension you just mentioned is something I've seen a lot. Uh, I've seen this pattern a lot when I review. Mm, the close two targets, so uh, 7 and 15. This shooter may have pretty okay group size, uh, more of a circular shape, but then the very last one, 25-yard target, suddenly shots goes to low left, especially with the right-handed shooters. Uh, that can be a good uh, indication that your firing hand tension is building up for the accurate shot. In this kind of case, just dry firing, focusing on that hand tension, uh, staying the same throughout the whole three targets will be a very good thing to focus on. I love it. Um, I mean, guys, what about, I mean, people that want to do this, you know, guys are going to do this at home and dry fire. 
Do you have any specific things they should be thinking about when they're not getting the feedback for where bullets are going? Well, they should be more rigidly assessing the side pictures, I think, uh, especially on that 25-yard target. You shouldn't allow for any movement in your sights or your, you know, or wiggle in your dot. You got to be pretty hard on yourself. Yes. What do you think, Kim? Well, it kind of depends on where you are at, too, like in terms of uh, your performance in accelerator. <laughs> but one thing I would recommend... Oh, <laughs> Uh, so first, yes, uh, once you find the appropriate confirmation, uh, depends on the target distance. So let's just say you're shooting confirmation 223 on the far one close to near. Then you want to go home and then actually try to shoot with the same amount of confirmation. And you can judge it by your trigger, trigger pull again. So uh, in this kind of case, you can add trigger pull. And the first shot should be broke breaking at the right amount of Q. So if you actually saw the red dot and stabilize, no shake, and then pulling the trigger at a five yard or even 15 yard target, it may not be the case. And I've seen so many people actually do it correct at the live fire after run after run. So beginning may be not good, but they have 10 runs. And then after 10 runs, they're dialed in, but they go home and they set up like six scale target, super tight. And now you're shooting confirmation three on all targets and you go to the match, you will see you not shooting confirmation two on the target where you should be shooting it. So one recommendation in dry fire is to use as big of a scale as much as possible. If you actually have, I mean, I don't think many people have 25 yard back, uh, backyard, but if you do use all full scale, if not, use bigger scale target as much as possible and also further distance as much as possible, meaning you want to be as realistic to the real setting as much as possible. So if you are just using uh, three target at three yards, like half target, third target, sixth target, mm -hmm. there's actually essentially no distance focal depth change going on. Uh, when you actually simulate distance change, you want to simulate actual distance change target to target rather than one wall, big target, medium target, small target is not the best setup. You want to actually have some distance change. Uh, so one target closer to you, maybe bigger size, one target medium and one target far away. Actual use, actual use of the distance. That was important. sincerely excellent. Yes, Thanks. I agree. Very good point. I like it. Um, yeah, then I guess the only thing for me to add is, well, like what you guys are saying, be very, very critical of where your sights start and stop because like what Ben was saying, I mean, you could do that drill and let's say you do it in three seconds or something crazy. But then when you get to the, you have to be honest with where your sights are, where they're stopping at, especially in dry fire, we should see the sights actually stop on each target and not just kind of sweep through targets because being really, really critical about what your sights are doing, when you have bullets, you know, they're going to be going where you've trained yourself to, what you've trained yourself to do in dry fire. Yep. Good. Well, guys, I do appreciate you letting me uh, interrogate you about this drill. Well, thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yes, training group members, uh, 
kind of just, I guess, a housekeeping reminder, you don't have to be silver, gold, whatever, like anybody on training group, feel free to submit your videos in the thread uh, for drill of the month, whether it's a live fire, we're at the range, dry fire, thoughts, questions, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's good. We like to hear from you guys and, uh, you know, we can all get, get better together, so to speak. Yep. Cool. Well, appreciate you guys' time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Training Group Live. Stay up to date at practicalshootingtraininggroup.com or pstg.us for short. If you have a question or a comment, head to the Training Group Live section of the forum. Remember, the best questions turn into show topics. If you aren't a member of PSTG, we hope today is the day we earn your subscription. And with that, train frequently, train hard, but most of all, train smart.